0: This episode is part of the pool's Local Officials Stronger Together podcast series. It's one way we serve local officials through integrity, public service, fiscal responsibility, and operational excellence. As always, please direct specific questions about coverage to your member services manager. Welcome to Episode 9 in the Risk Pool Stronger Together podcast series. Today's episode is Cybersecurity, Are You Prepared? As always, I'm going to give you some basic information, visit with people who are experts in the subject. In this case, that'll be Ryan Burns, the pool's cyber risk services manager. And former TML attorney, and now Brownsville city attorney, Will Trevino. And then I'll give you several action items to help you get everything you can from our partnership. In my prior job, I spoke to city officials who sometimes lamented the challenges of responding to Public Information Act requests. That can certainly be a pain in some cases, especially for smaller entities. But then I saw a presentation by a colleague about the PIA called, quote, the information business. And his premise is that local governments, in addition to the nuts and bolts services you provide, are actually just as much in the business of providing information and that local officials should recognize that they should work at that just as hard as they do, providing law enforcement, maintaining streets and water lines, etc. And I think that's true. Cybersecurity is very similar. You've got to think about it as part of your daily work serving and protecting your residents. In today's world, you just can't afford to be unprepared, and that's true whether your population is 250,000 or 250. You've got to have at least a basic level of awareness to protect your sensitive data, and most of you have lots of that. Personal identifying information, law enforcement records, court records, and more. Remember, This is not a hypothetical. Several pool members and other local governments have been attacked in recent years. Be sure to check out the written materials that accompany this podcast, including Will and Ryan's comprehensive paper, presentation, and cyber breach checklist, along with the pool's cyber webpage, which also links to that training that's required annually for most local government employees. So, Will, tell us why governmental entities are prime targets for cyber attacks.
1: Will cyber attackers realize that city systems present a massive amount of data when breached. They offer more opportunities for cyber criminals, as far as all the departments and critical infrastructure that the cities have. And unlike large companies, cities face financial constraints when invested in the security infrastructure to protect against cyber attacks. I mean, think about it. What does a council member want to spend their constituents' taxes on, repairing streets or cybersecurity? Potholes are more visible as opposed to the threats cyber criminals pose, as they are often unseen. And so it's not very popular to say, hey, we spent your money on cybersecurity. Constituents want their money spent on repairing routes and providing good water and sewer services.
0: Ryan, is cybersecurity just something that the IT department needs to handle?
2: That's a good question. And and that's kind of a popular misconception. Cybersecurity as a whole really needs to be considered as three main components, people, processes, and technology. So you'll see technology is just one of really three parts to your total cybersecurity plan. And typically it's not the IT portion that fails. It's, it's a people problem. As a matter of fact, it's so common. There's a, there's a term called picnic and it stands for problem in chair, not in computer. So phishing attempts uh where they're trying to get a a user to click on a link or open an attachment that has malware installed is that's still the leading cause of cyber breaches and that's a people problem so that's not a, an IT problem uh if you focus on one of those three at the expense of the others uh, it's going to end up being being very costly that's why Cybersecurity awareness training, anti-phishing, having policies and procedures in place on how to report those types of events and what to do if you think you've become the victim of one of those types of events is just as important as the technology side of that. So it really takes, you know, total organizational buy-in, just not from your IT department alone. And it takes top-down support. And it really needs to be a cultural acceptance of total cybersecurity.
0: Is a data disaster recovery service enough to protect our members?
2: If you have a data disaster, then uh, this service can come in and uh, replace your data on your systems and get you back up and operational with a recent uh, backup. And that could be related to a cyber breach, but it also could be related to several different other kinds of losses, Uh, a physical device failure, a fire in the server room, a flood uh, some sort of other natural disaster like a tornado. So it does serve a, a very distinct and very important purpose. So I wouldn't say that it is like insurance in the fact that your disaster recovery service is not going to provide a legal response that could be required as a result of a data breach. Uh, it certainly wouldn't pay a ransom if you get uh, a ransomware demand to release your data back to you. It's not going to pay for any type of loss of revenue that could result from a data breach certainly not going to prepare any legal notices or notify individuals if a uh, breach notification law has been triggered and it's not going to defend you in in a suit that you might get from a third party as a result of a data breach so I would say a disaster recovery service is, is really probably a prime component of your total cybersecurity plan. But I think it's just as important as a cyber insurance plan that's very, very robust, that would cover those types of instances that I just described. And I think both of those types of programs can work in conjunction with one another to really uh, fortify your cybersecurity.
0: What kind of coverage does the pool offer in relation to cybersecurity? Well, since 2016, the pool has provided a base level of
2: cyber coverage to all of its members that have had property coverage or liability coverage. We provide that coverage at no cost. Going forward, due to the volatility of the cyber market and increasing costs related to cyber coverage in general, we will begin to pass on just a real small portion of that cost to our members for the base level of coverage. But members will also still have the ability to purchase higher limits if they choose to do so. So we created this standalone cyber plan to address the needs of our members as cyber losses begin to, begin to increase. So the, the exposure and the risk has become much, much higher over the last few years. So we've created this program to help address that. And really what it does for a member is, is help them recover, but it provides some expertise that they might not have uh, at their disposal. So it's a very specific type of response that's needed because if you have a cyber breach, there could be a lot of different federal and state laws that could kick in, and you really need a privacy counsel and, and experts to be able to navigate through that to provide a breach response. Not only to get you back up and operational from a data standpoint or from a critical infrastructure standpoint, but really to make sure that you're doing it in the right way. So you're meeting all the legal obligations for any third-party notifications that might be required or any third-party experts that may need to come in and assist you with that response. And that's what the Cyber Liability Plan can help you with.
0: And that's the main point of this episode. Like with the pool's turnkey construction programs that get you up and running after a physical disaster, our cyber coverage does that for a cyber attack. Essentially, we bring whatever expertise is necessary to bear on the problem to get you back up and running. Probably even more important, Ryan can help you avoid problems on the front end by helping you prepare appropriate policies, procedures, a data disaster recovery plan, and so on. Okay, let's wrap up today with our usual action items. Action item one, create a culture of cyber awareness. There has to be a top-down push to make everyone in your organization aware of the risks and how to avoid them. Action item two, take your state mandated annual cyber training. In 2019, legislation passed requiring every local government employee or officer who touches a computer to take annual training. Last session, that requirement was rolled back a little bit. Will, can you tell us about that?
1: Well, yes. Well, House Bill 1118, which is effective, immediately changed the requirements for training of employees and appointed officials of local governments. And so before, everybody, at let's say a city, had to complete cybersecurity training by June 14th, and the city had to report it by June 15th. Well, now... House Bill 1118 requires only those that complete at least 25% of the employee or official required duties on the city's infrastructure or computer system. They're the individuals that must complete the training. Now, the kicker here is prior to this House Bill, there was no penalties for the city if they were not in compliance. And so this time around, a local government must submit if they apply for any grants, certain uh, public safety grants. They
0: must submit proof of compliance with the cybersecurity training, and if they are not compliant, they could become ineligible for another grant for at least two years and might have to pay back the grant that they received. And finally, action item number three, talk with your MSM to be sure you get the right coverage for your entity. I asked Ryan about this as well.
2: That's something I can assist them with in, in helping to identify those types of exposures, and determining what level of coverage might be most appropriate for their size entity based on their exposure, but also based on their operations and the current cybersecurity programs they have in place. And we can do that through a normal application process, and that would be available to those members for an additional contribution.
0: Okay, that's it for this episode. Let's visit again soon.
2: To review written materials associated with the presentation or to ask Scott a question, please visit www.tmlirp.org and click on the Stronger Together podcast link. Please remember that the information in this episode is provided for informational purposes only and doesn't constitute legal advice. We recommend that you review the podcast and the accompanying written materials with your attorney prior to taking action.